0: If you'd like to turn to the uh, book of Philippians and we in chapter one and we'll be reading from verses twelve to eighteen. That's uh, Philippians one verses twelve to eighteen. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defence of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Amen. So this evening we're going to look at the power of the gospel. And we, we know from scripture that the gospel has power. We look at Romans 1, 16 to seventeen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We know that no one can save themselves. All of us here of the faith did not save ourselves. We played no part other than the sin that required salvation. We know that for a sinner to come to faith, it requires power. It requires power to bring the dead to life. It's a power that cannot be found in anything that has been created, but must come from the creator himself. And the creator has given us the gospel. So this evening we will look at these few verses and we will see the power of the law and the power of the gospel. We will see how the power of the gospel gives boldness to believers. And we will see that the gospel's power for salvation is not dependent on the one receiving it or the one proclaiming it. But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. So let us just now have a quick reminder of verses 12 to 14. And this is the first section we're going to look at. But I would ye should understand, brethren, the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word, without fear verse 12 Paul's desire is that the brethren at Philippi understand the full picture of what is happening to him in Rome so we un- we know from uh, acts 28 that Paul is under house arrest and he's awaiting trial he wants the believers to understand that even in light of all this the gospel is going forth and there is power there. Paul desperately wants the church to understand the purpose of what is going on. Paul desires that they not look at him, but look at the power of the gospel and the effects it is having on the believers and non-believers. He wants them to understand that all the evil that is going on is actually furthering the work of the gospel. If you just like to turn to Acts chapter 28, we're just going to read a couple of verses, but it gives you the context of what what um, Paul is speaking about. It's Acts 28, we're just doing two verses, 23 and 24. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lod- lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. So that is where Paul is. Paul is under house arrest. And people, the Jews, are still coming to see him, to to speak with him. And there was his opportunity to tell them of Christ. Though Satan desired to destroy Paul... And desire to do harm to the, the gospel work. There is power in the gospel, so the gospel carried on being proclaimed. It carried on saving. There was nothing Satan could do. And as we just read, the Jews had come to Paul. They came to him and he was preaching to them. So God was glorified right there. He was glorified by, by those who came to faith and those who rejected. Either way, God was being glorified. And as we read in in those couple of verses, Paul preached the law of Moses and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that the law of Moses is the word of God. We know um, it, it was the word of God given to Moses. It was the law that was given to Moses by the Lord. So the Jews knew the law. They'd heard the law and they heard the gospel. And we see the power in both. To those who believed, the power of the law had had its work. The law had brought many, many of the Jews there under a conviction of their sin. It made them well aware of their inability to meet the demands of God's law. The law had crushed them. The law had opened their eyes and their heart to the understanding that they in fact needed a saviour. A saviour who could pay their debt, the debt that they owed. They required a saviour who could take up on themselves the wrath of God. They needed a saviour who would stand in their place. They would need a saviour who would justify them and redeem them. The Jews needed a saviour who would pay the penalty for their past, present and future sins. They desperately needed the good news of a saviour. They required the gospel of Jesus Christ and they got that gospel. Paul preached that saving gospel message to them and he used the scriptures. He told them about Jesus Christ Because the gospel is all about Jesus. The gospel speaks of Christ's perfect obedience, how he kept the law perfectly. The gospel speaks of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection. The gospel shows a sinner who is under the conviction of the law that on the cross, Christ was the propitiation for their sins and for those who call on his name. The gospel shows that Christ is the fat sacrifice for those who call on his name. He's the one that takes their place and bears the judgment of God. And takes the punishment for, for the sinner's sins. The punishment that they deserve, Christ takes on himself. The gospel speaks of the righteousness of Christ being credited to us. So for every believer who stands before God, they are de- draped in the righteousness of Jesus. The gospel also speaks of bringing an individual into, the, into a right relationship with God. For everyone has a relationship with God. It's either under his wrath, under his justice and anger, or under his grace and his mercy. When we believe the gospel, we are no longer separated from God. We are adopted into his family, and we now can call him our father. That is the gospel that Paul preached. That is the gospel which shone hope and gave life to those who believed. It gave life to those who were crushed by the law. They were broke. Their spirit was broken. But the gospel, the sweetness of the gospel came and they called on the name of Christ. And they knew that they were saved. They were saved from the eternal death that was awaiting them. So this gospel work that Paul was was so joyfully participating in, even though he was chained up, it was furthered because of persecution as well. You see, Paul was persecuted, he was chained up, yet he had the opportunity to go to the palace. He had the opportunity to speak and proclaim the gospel where otherwise he may not have had the opportunity. He was chained because he was doing Christ's work. He was doing the Lord's work. He was in Christ. It was a joy for him to suffer these things because it was the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And here we witness the power of the gospel saving so many people. It saved because the law had condemned. It saved because the people had heard their need of a saviour. They were convicted by the law. And they understood that they needed Christ. So there we see in Paul, in, in these few verses, how he'd, he'd preached the gospel. How even in difficult circumstances, even with, with the works of Satan completely against him, the power of the gospel overcame everything. And now we see, when the gospel was preached here, that the gospel also equipped the saints to be bold in their preaching of the gospel. The gospel's power emboldens the believer. Let's just look at verse 14 now. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the other brothers in Christ had heard of Paul's situation. They'd heard that the gospel continued to spread and were encouraged and were much more bold in their proclamation of the gospel. And Paul here speaks of those brothers who were in the Lord. And that is the key key part there. The brothers were connected to Paul. They were brothers in Christ because they were in the family of God. The gospel was received by them and they believed on the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. They were joined with Paul in the gospel work. And you've got to remember, at this time there was severe persecution. Christians were being murdered. They were being arrested. The church was under severe persecution. Yet when the power of the gospel went and continued to save people in in these dire situations, the believers were encouraged. They witnessed that even though Paul suffered, suffered greatly, was arrested, was imprisoned, was under house arrest, the gospel kept on being proclaimed and people were being saved. The hand of the Lord was clearly visible today. So what about for us today? Can we be emboldened by this witness here? Well, we we look at the West. We look at, at the places we live Church attendance has dropped greatly. Fewer people are coming to a saving faith. On the island, again I mention it time and time again, but we have abortion bills coming through, we have um, the promotion of suicide, we have sinful lifestyles um, pushed upon us. The things of God is are being mocked and, and rejected outrightly. Jesus is openly hated, and, and in the West, Christians are arrested for preaching the gospel. We see those around abortion clinics praying silently being arrested they They are there to to pray against babies being murdered, yet they are the ones being arrested. So we can look around this world. we can see the state of the places we live. We could feel defeated. we could feel scared. And we could back away into a corner and just wait to be called home. We could sit around and we can mourn about the state of this world. But what we should be doing, we should be looking at the gospel's power. We should be looking here in Philippians and and understanding that the gospel that was preached then is the gospel that we have today, is the gospel that saved us and is the gospel that we should be proclaiming. The situation here was awful in, in Philippia, in Philippi. Christians slaughtered, arrested for preaching the gospel, despised and hated, yet the gospel still went out and people were saved. And we can look around the world today, places where there is severe persecution, where Christians are still being killed. The gospel still goes out and its power is clear to see. People are being added to the church each and every day. When we look particularly at the places where Christians are slaughtered, it seems impossible that somebody would want to give their life to Christ. But the law is proclaimed, the gospel is proclaimed, and people are coming to faith. And we should be encouraged by this. And this should embolden us to speak more often and speak more about uh, to others about Christ. Now is not the time um, to, to back away And to just just disappear into the background. Now is the time to proclaim the gospel. Because we see there is power in the gospel. Even today. The gospel has the power to save. And it will continue to save until Christ returns. Now we can't stir up this boldness in ourselves. But what we can do is look to Jesus. We can look at the one who saves. We can look at our captain, our Lord, who the gospel speaks of. And we can be bold because we just have to look at ourselves. All of us who have come to faith were were given the gospel. The gospel changed us. Our hearts were changed. Our eyes were changed. Our desires were changed. The gospel had a work in us. That should be the greatest witness. That even wretches like us can be saved. We see Christ's saving power all the time. We just have to look at ourselves each and every morning. By grace, we have been saved. And we spoke of earlier, remember, that we had to hold fast to the word of God. And to be bold when we proclaim his gospel. And when we do this, we don't have to worry about our own abilities. We don't have to rely on our own confidence, because the power of the gospel is power, to, powerful to save because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at now. Because when the gospel is proclaimed, there is power. Power to condemn when rejected and the power to save when believed. And when a sinner repents and calls on the name of Christ. The power of the gospel is not dependent on the speaker or their ability or even the condition of their heart. We'll look now at verses 15 18. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defence of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretence or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. In these verses, Paul separates those who are proclaiming the gospel into two groups. Those who preach from a sincere heart and those who proclaim from envy, from self-promotion and from a place of even wanting others to be hurt. Paul says that even with those whose focus is not on the glory of God and their focus is, is not desiring the salvation for the lost, he still rejoices because the gospel is proclaimed. Why? Well, Paul knows that the power of the gospel to save does not depend on the person proclaiming it. Paul is not stating that it doesn't matter why we preach the gospel, because it it does. It is a grave sin to preach the gospel for our own benefit, whether that be to to get one over on somebody else like they were doing here when they were trying to preach to add affliction to Paul, or whether it's for our our own um, glory, for our own praise. Because we desire fame. That is sinful and it is of the flesh. But Paul is rejoicing because the gospel is still going out and will still save. Save. It saves and has a saving power when accompanied by the Holy Spirit. Who quickens the heart of a sinner and brings them to faith. Let's just look at Titus chapter 3 verses 3 to 5. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost." God pours out his mercy on those whom he has chosen from the foundation of the world. He's redeeming them through the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. By his Spirit, God removes our hearts of stone and replaces them with hearts of flesh, which enables us to trust in his Son and be justified through faith alone, therefore setting us right in the eyes of our Creator. And that can only occur when the law has crushed. And then when the gospel is preached in all its sweetness, in all its loveliness, in all its purity. And then when the Holy Spirit works in us to bring us to faith. See, without the word, we cannot know Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot believe the gospel. And this is why, here in verses 15 to 18, Paul rejoices at the preaching of the gospel. This is why a correct grasp of the law and the gospel is so important. We can say that we agree with the 1689 Confession of Faith. We can read reformed writings. We can appear to be living a moral life. We can go to to seminary. We can study every minute of every day. We can have a doctorate in apologetics. But if we fail to understand the law and the gospel and fail to proclaim it accurately... There will be no power there because it is not the saving gospel. It is a different gospel. So what must we do as believers in Christ? As people called to tell others of, of Christ, of the, of the law and of Christ's saving work. Well, We look to the gospel ourselves, don't we? For in the gospel, the true gospel, we find our saviour. It's in the reading of Jesus that motivates us, that brings us to life. Because we find the one who has saved us. We look to the scriptures, the word of God that tells us all about him. We read about the commands. We see that we still today slip and fall. And again are still crushed by our sin. But we know that we are not crushed and separated from God. So we run again as always to Jesus and, re- and remember what he has done for us. But in the Bible, we see our lovely saviour. We are reminded of our old state and our new condition. We are reminded of the power of the gospel that turned our lives around. And we see how the gospel had its work in us and how we are alive in Christ. We have new desires. We have a new outcome, a new place when we die. No longer are we sent to hell We now rejoice because we will be with our Saviour in heaven. We read in the Scriptures and see the power of the Gospel at work. In the believers who proclaimed it, in the face of horrendous persecution. And we are strengthened because we are reminded that the Gospel of Jesus Christ will carry us home to be with him. I want to end now um, with 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which, is, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Amen. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To thee, only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.